1: Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Bike Radar Podcast. Today we're going to discuss an article recently published on BikeRadar.com by writer Catherine Moore called Why We Need to Champion Diversity in Cycling. To do that, I'm very privileged to be joined by Catherine herself, as well as Anila McKenna, a mountain bike coach and guide for Go West Scotland, a part-time diversity, inclusion and wellbeing consultant, and an ambassador for Juliana Bicycles, and Zaheer Nayani, a British Asian road and utility cyclist. Welcome all. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Great. Yeah, thanks for joining me, guys. First, let's get straight into it, Catherine. Let's start where your article starts. What do we mean by diversity and how diverse is cycling currently?
2: Well, that's a really good question. And I'm glad you asked about the definition, because it's something that's been um, very widely discussed, I think, especially over the last year. And Anila will be able to um, certainly give you a lot more background to that. But I think... Diversity is a definition when discussing a group of individuals. Diversity is a measure of the differences between them. So that can be loads of different things. It can mean race, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, gender, sexuality, religious beliefs, age, ability or disability, physical appearance, background, life experience. There's a huge amount of different factors in that. Um, so, yeah, it's certainly a really important one to get your head around at the start. And then how diverse is cycling? Well, that's a really interesting one because you have to look at all those different factors um, and they're not mutually exclusive of each other either. Um, So when I started researching for the article, there are a couple of different places that I started to look. Um, I'm based in the UK, so a lot of the data that we looked at was UK-centric. So some um, things published nationally by bodies such as Sport England, which looks into general trends in um, participation in sports or cycling. Um, There were some really interesting um, studies that were done internationally as well. So we wanted to look not only at sort of the pro level of the sport, which is actually quite easy because it's quite a small population, but also right down to grassroots level about how diverse cycling is, with regards to all those different population groups.
1: Okay, and so uh, Anila, maybe we'll come to you next. What do you think are some of the kind of main barriers to diversity in cycling currently?
3: It's a, it's a very wide question to ask um, in, in terms of diversity. I mean, my, my take on diversity is, you know, I think it for me it's broader because I see it as being about all of us you know, and how we can be enriched from each other's experiences and learning from each other. So yes, there are specific groups that are discriminated in society and have specific barriers that they experience. But at the same time, you know, diversity is about learning from each other and understanding each other's experiences. You know, we're not individual homogenous groups. We're we're made up of multiple identities. And so, when we talk about diversity and inclusion, diversity, yes, it's about having, you know, that diverse voice and having different represented groups within cycling. But if you want to be more diverse, you have to be inclusive as well. So the environment, the cycling structures, the racing clubs, you know, that the environment the, the, that we're in needs to be inclusive to allow those people from diverse backgrounds to 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 come into the space. So, in terms of barriers, I mean, where do you want me to start, really? You know, if you, I mean, I can go back to basics and think about, well, what, what how does discrimination work? And um, we, we experience barriers in so many ways from uh, our own individual experiences, um, how our re- relationships are, um, how we engage with one another, how an unconscious bias might come into play when we make decisions. Thinking about the system structures that we um, we are faced and experienced within um, our society um, and our institutions as well. So barriers can be in be across all of these different spheres. You know, let's take take me for example, um, and thinking about individual discrimination. I've been somebody that's uh, found it very difficult to actually. You know, many years I've lacked confidence in in myself because I am a person of colour, and a, a person of colour, and a woman, and because of that, you know, it has actually prevented me from succeeding. That's been a barrier in itself for for me. But you know, I have I have dealt with that. I've addressed that, and I'm, I'm able to 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 push myself forward as a result of that because I know what 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 what's been stopping me. Um, so you know that's just really one example of 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 discrimination and how, how it can play out because you know I didn't have the confidence to maybe go into a particular space but but um, but recognising that I'm able to do that you know gives me the confidence to then push myself further and um, so I've had to experience that over the years myself because of um, barriers that I've experienced. Um, but that I think I you know I I've, I've talked there that that in terms of you know cycling and you know we can't just think about it in one context it it, it comes from a whole range of different um, spheres from attitudes to um, you know to the structures to how we view ourselves to how we internalise our, our own oppression to to how how we interact with people within within that space.
1: Yeah. And, and I guess it's, you know, I suppose it's important to touch on that uh, as Catherine kind of alluded to earlier that there are, you know, cycling isn't, you know, just like people cycling, isn't just one homogenous thing. It's not just a sport. It's also a mode of transport and people can be, you know, excluded from different aspects of cycling in different ways. Can't they, Catherine?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the most wonderful things about cycling as a, a sport, but it's, it's not just that. Just look at how uh, the industry has boomed over the last year because so many people have been getting onto bikes, whether that's because they want to avoid using public transport or whether they want to uh, do something to get outside and stay fit or, you know, so many different reasons that people are taking to bikes now, which is really, really awesome. Um, And I think I've certainly taken it for granted, growing up that you get taught as a kid, um, you know, by your parents, if how to ride a bike. You're starting with terrible, tacky little stabilisers or the kids nowadays have balanced bikes or whatever, um, which look really cool. But, uh, yeah, it's remarkable to think that, like, how lucky I personally have been and that not everybody gets that opportunity. Um, so, yeah, it's so much more than just a sport and I think if you're into cycling as a sport as as a racer or just something that you do at the weekends whatever it's really easy to overlook that there's so much more to it
1: yeah absolutely and I guess you know when I as a kind of you know a a person of privilege who's kind of young not disabled you know a kind of white male who who kind of gets you know certain advantages from society it's very easy for me to say overlook the kind of infrastructure of of cycling that can disadvantage certain you know say disabled disabled people or disabled groups or you know people who lack confidence as you say because they weren't taught how to ride a bike at a young age and so you know inclusion is not just about uh necessarily i think in in one of the quotes, Anila to Catherine, you said, it's not just about treating everyone the same. We have to do, as you say, kind of more than just simply treating everyone the same and sort of designing infrastructure and designing the sport and designing things that kind of actively help people get into it rather than just assuming that, well, if you make access kind of equal, then it's, then it's totally fair. And I guess so that kind of brings us to Maybe a point that you touched on in the articles here is, is that the representation can be especially helpful when it comes to promoting diversity.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think that's absolutely right. And I think particularly after um, recent events in the US and the recent resurgence in the Black Lives Matter movement, I think there has been a, teng- a tangible realisation from big brands that something needs to change. Now, that's resulted in things that I haven't seen done before, including, um, I guess, without meaning to name drop, but I guess Rafa's campaign about diversity in cycling. And ultimately, the important thing there is that they've actually voted with their feet by not only having uh, diverse representation in their PR, but also committing to fund uh, projects and cycling teams to promote that agenda. And I think that's that's really important and it's worth it's worth noting that. But ultimately, yeah, I think in terms of your um uh, average person in the street, they're more like they're more likely to take on a new hobby if their friends or peers are also doing the same thing. And looking at it from a a British Asian perspective, and I'm certainly not a spokesperson for all BAME individuals out there, but just speaking from personal experience, I think there is a task for cultural um, education and awareness raising within certain communities. Um, and certain communities are first-generation immigrants who have spent some really hard yards in the UK to earn money and a roof over their heads. And typically, a bicycle, as a mode of transport, you and I would refer, it, refer to it as an egalitarian freedom machine, but ultimately from the communities from the South Asian diaspora, bicycles are actually only ridden if you can't afford a car, right? So uh, there is that mindset that I think the second generation, like such as me, um, are absolutely changing because we can obviously think for ourselves, but there is that element of cycling as a mode of transport being viewed as something slightly undesirable Um, but clearly that's changing through ambassadors such as you know shuhina islam um, um, and and others uh, anila uh, uh, being one but it shows that the tide is turning but there are wider considerations at play and personally i haven't been subject to any overt um, uh, uh, issues as a result of the color of my my skin Um, um, but that's not to say that Um, other people haven't, because I don't speak on their behalf. But I also think that actually looking at it from a wider perspective, the focus on kind of macho racing culture, I think is as much to uh, blame, if that's that's the right word, to um, cycling being quite exclusive as anything else. Because if you open that up to say, actually, it doesn't matter how fast you go, um, you're more likely to get people wanting to actually pedal. And that's not to say there isn't a space for individuals who wish to do that because people get enjoyment out of it and that's absolutely fine but I think cycling is far wider
1: yeah no I, yeah I absolutely agree and it's something that you know again yeah I suppose yeah you know, I have been guilty of in the past because i I came into cycling very much from a kind of you know as a person interested in in sport and so the kind of you know the other sides of it have been new to me as well and it's quite easy to to stay within that bubble in the cycling world, as you say. And I think, you know, the kind of the evolution of Rafa in a, in a sense from this kind of brand that, you know, was very much about the kind of gritty black and white imaging and the glorification of suffering and all of that sort of thing. But now they have kind of evolved, as you said, to, to sort of, you know, be broader in scope and, and be more inclusive. I think it, I think it's been really excellent to follow them over the last couple of years. Um, I think one thing, if it's worth touching on, Catherine is is kind of like you had a little section in your in your piece about why diversity in cycling is important because I know some people might sort of say, well, you know, if people want to ride bikes, they will, but of course, it's not really that simple, is it? Why is diversity in cycling important, Anila? Because you know there are a few people who might sort of say, well, you know, if people want to ride bikes, they'll find it themselves, but actually, perhaps it's not so simple
3: yeah so yeah so why is diversity important i think one of the things we need to we need to think about in the current context is the unpre- unprecedented rise and change in the demographics of visitors post lockdown because you know we've i've been listening to some uh, information stats from forestry england and the number of visitors that have significantly significantly increased um, within within England's countryside and forests, and thinking about the diversity of those groups as well, and you know, so if you think about the space, the here touched it already, you know that it it it, it has been exclusive. You know, if you think about cycling, it has been a very male-dominated, um, you know, white, able-bodied space. And that's the space that we've had to break into. You know, if you think about hundred years ago, who was cycling? Who wasn't allowed to cycle? Women weren't allowed to cycle. They had to break through that system. And now we're looking at, you know, what Zahir was talking about, about Black Lives Matter and thinking about people people of colour and having to go through that same same process of understanding, well, bicycling is wonderful for everybody. But how do I actually get into it? You know, and you talked here, I know I keep going back to you, but you know, you talked about the, the communities. But it's also about the influences around you as well. If you don't have the influences around you, you know, a lot of people of color um, live within cities. If you don't have the influences around you, how are you going to know that mountain biking, how are you going to know that cycling is a wonderful thing? You know, for me, I think it's very much starting from the basics and I think that's why brands and cycling organisations really need to get on top of this and use this opportunity to, to engage with different communities to bring them into the space. You know, we, we, we're talking about it and that's great, but we need to make that, you know, we need to be able to turn that into, into to action. But, you know, if you think about me when I was younger, I never had any influence around me. I lived in the city. My only green space was going to the park. I didn't really know what cycling was about. Even as a woman, I was told that I shouldn't get dirty. I shouldn't take risks. You know, I should wear my pretty dresses. And and so that's how I was grown up to to think. Uh, A a bike wasn't something for me. A bike was for, for, for my brother and that was it. So if you say, you know, if you think about that, then, you know, here now with post lockdown and this new demographic, we've got a real opportunity to change things. Brands are listening. Organisations are listening. So, you know, this is why diversity is important, because it makes it equal for everyone. You know, it's what you were saying earlier is that if we apply the same practice to everyone, that it means that we're being fair and everyone will benefit. It's not the case anymore. We need to look at how do we create a, a level playing field for everyone.
1: Yeah, and, and I think, yeah, you know, so Catherine's ask was very good on this and sort of saying there are, you know, there are barriers to entry, such as you know, the, the cost of getting a bike, which reportedly stops you know up to up to twenty percent of people from ethnic minority groups starting cycling. But then there are other ones as well, which you know you perhaps don't come to mind straight away like safe storage changing rooms for their place of work and like you said Anila more and more people now in this kind of in you know in our current situation with the global pandemic are looking to cycle but if you don't have the facilities at work or somewhere to store your bike at home or even the ability to afford a bike or you know or safe infrastructure to ride your bike to work then it's not possible for a lot of people to cycle, and it can be very, you know, you, it it can it's it can be very difficult to overcome those things as as sort of the here said, especially if you don't see other people like yourself doing it. So yeah, it's it's a it's a really interesting one, I think. Um, but like I think, like the here said earlier, there are you know more and more brands now taking kind of positive steps to make good changes, and obviously we we've already called out uh rafa and a few other few other brands but uh I, obviously Catherine's article mentions another one uh well a, f- a few actually i suppose so some sort of like sram and specialized have been very good haven't they katherine uh, were there any others that you think have been particularly good recently Yeah, there
2: were quite a few big ones um and i think it's really important to to celebrate those obviously they're just the first step um and we hope that they're followed up with a lot more besides. But things like um, Isla bikes have, have also always been quite um, radical. And this is something that I spoke to to about a few months ago. Um, you know, that's the first time I've ever seen a man in Sikh clothing in a bike advert. That's awesome. And they've just sort of relaunched. Um, New bikes which are made specifically, engineered and designed specifically for older people. So things like lower step-throughs to make it really easy. Um, and that's that's really, really cool. And then things like clothing brands, um, like Machine for Freedom, um, using uh, models, including LGBTQ+, uh, different races, different body shapes, having plus-size clothing, which is really, really cool. Um, and then even things like events. So Grinduro on the gravel side of things, which I'll always tend back to. um, They have an open gender race category and 25 places specifically for riders which come from underrepresented communities at each of their global events. Um, So I think people are really starting to think about how they can start to tackle this and make a change. Um, I've seen something that I've personally been quite... um, passionate about over my last few years in the bike industry has been about getting more women into the industry or uh, sorry not into the industry just on bikes in general but obviously also (laughs) into industry Um, and now there's there's really quite a few dedicated initiatives from a few British brands like Hope Tech and Cotic, and that's actually had really impressive results so I'm hoping that we can transfer those over to other demographics as well.
3: You know, I, I, I think it's great that all these organi- these businesses and brands are, are, have got all these community initiatives and programs, but I think one thing I'd like to, to say is that, you know, it needs to be sustainable. And so we need to, yes, we need to look at working with communities and engaging with them, but we also need to look at ourselves as well and look at our own cultures and think about, well, who, what do we look like? What makes us, how diverse are we? Um, and to think about are there opportunities to pre- pre- bring people in from diverse backgrounds in to learn about cycling, to you know it doesn't always have to be an athlete that, that gets the job. It you know there may be other people that have. Um, interest in engineering or photography or media that, that could be brought into the organization that might lo- create a love for, and a passion for bikes by actually being in the industry. So there is some work to be done, not, not just within communities, but within, within the brands and within um, organizations themselves.
2: Mm, I totally agree with that I think um, from my personal experience of working in the bike industry and I can't speak for a lot of people but as a woman I found that um, in a lot of cases I'm in the minority but um, I've had some great examples of Situations that I've been in where I've been able to offer a very different perspective. And that's not just because I'm, I'm talking about doing something that's specifically for women. It's just a different idea or perhaps I have slightly different interests to my colleagues. Um, and and that's amazing. So you could only imagine how much more creative these workplaces could be and the things that we produce if you did have a truly diverse in a workplace. And I think, especially in the cycling industry, we can be quite guilty of relying on our friends, of people that we know in the industry, if there's any opportunities to get involved with collaboration, or if it's just something like a photo shoot. But if you're only asking your friends and the people that you know within your sort of communities or circles, then that's not going to create a diverse representation of of cycling on the whole. So I think the industry has a lot of work to do to try and break out of that and i think more people in the industry is absolutely key uh more, sorry more diverse representation actually in the industry and not just what we see or read or watch is really key
1: yeah absolutely and i and i think you know some of the six you know I, I, as you, as we've kind of just touched on we have seen you know more effort put into this sort of thing recently and you know i think on the whole it's been largely successful so i think it is clear that that the demand for this stuff is there isn't it Uh, yeah i
0: i think the demand is there but i think um one of the challenges that i think um i guess some of these companies face from a diversity and inclusion perspective is ultimately these are these big brands our businesses and need to turn over a profit that's the you know I won't go into the details, the intricacies of capitalism, but that's ultimately what, <laughs> you know, that that's what keeps the lights on. But at the same time, I actually think that if you look at the BAME category, as Anila has previously mentioned, we're not a so homogenous bunch. And people do talk about ethnicity pay gap disparities. But for example, if you look at the Hindu community in the UK, ONS data suggests that um, they... Uh, take home more than their white counterparts. So if we want to count this as a something that brands should be doing because it's good, then I think there is an absolute moral obligation for them to be playing ball and to, for them to be increasing their diversity. But at the same time, the key stakeholders within those organisations also need to appreciate that it's actually probably quite good for business, right? Now, until they get on board with that, um, and they see some financial element to it, I think we might have a slightly lazy approach to DNI, which only flares up in the event of yet another massacre in the US. So I think as 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 those who um are interested in DNI, um we do have that challenge to to face. And I think at the same time, DNI is an interesting one because people could automatically say, hold on a minute, by virtue of you discussing D&I, you aren't being diverse, right? Now, clearly, I think there's a facetious argument to that. But ultimately, I think there is broader things at play, as Catherine has mentioned, there's diversity of thought, there's Isla Roundtree's trailblazing example of um, bikes for over 65s, right, with easy to handle uh, tires in case they get a puncture. So I think that's excellent, but I think it's, the onus is on us also to make it wider and cast the net further. And also look at it from a slightly different angle, I think, in terms of these brands want to sell products, right? Now, it may well be that some ethnic minorities aren't in the financial situation whereby they can spend on products. And that includes white Caucasians, right? Because we understand that, um, white privilege does not mean that you haven't had a hard time. It absolutely doesn't mean that. But at the same time, I think selling stuff doesn't go hand in hand with diversity. It's okay to have last year's kit, right? And I think that's something that we ought to kind of get out there. Um, it's okay to get a bike from a bicycle co-op. You know, where are the bike co-ops? I think that there is a marketing thing that needs to be put out there to, in- to increase that diversity on a wider scale. Um, and again, that kind of goes back to it's okay not to go fast, or um, it's okay to go slower, and, and, and the rest of it. So, yeah, it, it's a nuanced it's a nuanced argument. I don't know, Anila, uh, whether you had any more to add yeah. to that. Yeah, I,
3: mean, I just thinking the, what, what you said there, actually, and I was thinking about cycling clubs, you know, and um, an increasing representation through through that route. And if you think about it, you know, some cycling clubs and where they where they position their entry level, for example. You know is that in a barrier in itself, because it may be an intermediate or advanced, so we're talking about this 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 new demographic you know so in what way can they actually get access to 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 cycling? And so for me, I think we really have to start from the basics. I mean, I'm a mountain biker, so I want more people of diverse backgrounds, people of colour, women, disabled people to be within the the mountain biking world because it's it's beautiful, it's a great community, you know, but they're not there, they're not represented. You know, if you think about women in the last maybe five, six years, when I was started riding, you know, 20 years ago, there was no women riding. I mean, I was in the I was in the minority. Now we're starting to see women on the front of you know magazines. We're seeing women uh, journalists in the bike industry. You know, we're starting to see a see a real change um, in in that. It's still challenging for women to 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 break through in this industry and to to come into cycling. But it's amazing. There's so many spaces that women can go into now. And you're starting to see a change and a shift in the industry, where um, women are more represented. Because if you have, if you have, if that voice is not re- represented, then how are you ever going to change things? But if you have one voice, one voice can em- empower another a hundred voices. You know. See, since Black Lives Matter, I, I have been so proud to see so many people of colour speak out. You know, and even just to be here with Zahir, um, it's it's wonderful. I've met so many people that cycle, that are people of color that I didn't know were there because they're not represented. We don't see them in the in social in social media. We don't see them in branding. You know, that's what I mean. And we're we're, we're talking about basics here. We really have to to find a way to bring people into this space. Um, and it, that's going to come, it's not just going to come because people are going to speak up about it. We have to invest time, effort, resources um, to be able to uh, have these different campaigns and programs to, to get more people active. Because as you say, as I hear earlier, that the more people you have that look like yourself, the more people of that of that group will come in, will, will come into sky cycling because they'll realize how wonderful how wonderful a sport it is.
0: Yeah, and I think just to I think I think you're absolutely right. And just to add that, you know, for those who may be on the pessimistic side of the spectrum, it's not to say that just because I'm from the BAME community I will only cycle if there are other BAME individuals. It's just fundamental human nature or that, you know, birds of a feather flock together and that if you share similarities between a group of people you're more likely to engage with them right that's not to the exclusivity of others but it just goes to show that for the first um tepid step into cycling it kind of helps to have a friend quite frankly um and I think in terms of initiatives um I think hopefully this is a good step change um given where we are in the industry um and just tying that in with what Catherine has previously mentioned, I guess, the untold numerous benefits of cycling as in terms of a health promoter. One thing, I guess, from personal experience that I've kind of identified is um, looking at the BAME community and specifically those who, who are practising muslims. It's it's open source data suggests that there is a higher level of heart disease and diabetes within those communities, right? That's it's it's just a fact, unfortunately, and there are some um, predispositions to certain cultures to, to 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 issues such as those. Now, Ramadan, for example, is a month where practicing Muslims fast from sunrise to sunset for thirty days, and within that time, a lot of them stop cycling altogether, right? Now, the NHS has confirmed that actually a moderate level of exercise in a fasted state is absolutely acceptable and in fact should be promoted. Now, I had an idea. So I've done the Festive 500 a couple of times in the past and I quite enjoyed it. So I had the idea of potentially having a similar concept uh, for those, whether Muslim or otherwise, who during that month decide to go on a fasted ride. And I thought, aha, what about calling it the Fasted 500? Now, being a being a solicitor, I was very mindful of intellectual property infringement. So I, I, I dropped Rapper an email to say, look, I've got this idea. I think it's good for the following reasons. Can you confirm that if I were to set up a website um, that you wouldn't sue me for it? And fair play to them. They came back about two months later and said, go ahead and do it. We think it's a good idea. So I just think something small like that, 500 kilometers over 30 days, you're looking at 15K a day. It's completely manageable to new entrants, to new people, um, and it's fun. There we say it. So, um, yeah, I think other initiatives and things that help communities who otherwise aren't predisposed to cycling can only be a good thing. Really, that's just one example.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, a really great example to kind of illust- illustrate your point about how you know. I mean, I, I think ultimately you know, the kind of aim of increasing diversity in cycling, I suppose, is that we all just want more people on bikes because we believe that cycling in kind of every single form, whether it be road cycling for sport, for utility, for mountain biking, you know, just enjoying yourself. It's a really, really good thing. And and I think like you, you touched on Zahir, it, it doesn't have to be exclusive you know promoting the inclusion of one group does not mean the exclusion of another or a kind of you know increasing or uh decreasing opportunities for another group and, and I know that you know there can be a certain amount of defensiveness around this in this sort of but we're trying to sort of cast it in a positive light in that sense because I think what really matters is is trying to get people on bikes because it's it's good for their health and it's good for their happiness, isn't it? Great. I think that's probably means we're coming towards the end. I think before we wrap it up completely, we'll, we'll touch on Catherine's last paragraph from the article, uh, a kind of a what's next. Uh, it, you know, what are the kind of next steps that, you know, people who want to get into cycling should take, or perhaps you're already into cycling, and what steps could people be taking to kind of, you know, make things better?
2: Yeah, I guess... Um through a bit of research it's been really amazing to find loads of these great initiatives and you know we're not just talking about big brands there's really incredible local schemes um so I guess if you're already a cyclist and you're wondering about how you could get involved and help um then just a little bit of googling about what's going on near you um reaching out to people um I've seen like Anila sort of touched on earlier, I've seen so many or so much higher visibility of um, a much more diverse sort of cycling community um, through social media through people I follow on Instagram or whatever um, just by actively encouraging that to be part of your feed or whatever um, I think there's loads of really cool stuff going on out there and for people, if they're inspired to, then then if they don't see what they want, then go and create it. Like Zaheer was saying, um, you know, when I first moved to Bristol, I didn't see a very together women's cycling sort of network of people. It doesn't take much to set up a Facebook group or, uh, you know, invite a few people that you might know. And before you know it, it's snowballed and there's hundreds of people involved. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're just like a few little things that I've... Um, noticed, but I'm sure there'll be a lot more uh, suggestions or recommendations from the others.
1: Cool. Great. Well, thanks very much for joining me, uh, Anila. Thanks very much, Zahir. Thanks very much, Catherine. If you haven't read the piece, I really, really encourage you to go read it on Bikeradar.com. It's called Why We Need to Champion Diversity in Cycling. It's well worth your time. It's a really interesting topic. And um, as always, don't forget to leave us a review leave us a rating if you enjoy our podcast don't forget to subscribe and of course leave any comments you have on bikeradar.com either on Catherine's article or on the uh, podcast plug for this piece we'll try and get back to you as soon as we can that's all for now thank you very much thank you for listening to the
0: bike radar podcast if you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling check out bikeradar.com